On this episode of the Small Town Hunter Podcast, we're sitting in the living room in our bunkhouse in northeastern Montana, recapping our mule deer hunt. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the, the conversation. How's it going, everybody? This is Joe Ron Baker with Small Town Hunter, and we are sitting at a kitchen table right now in northeast Montana with Zach Sweeten and Mickey Sweeten. Now, if you remember back in episode five, Zach and I discussed uh, drawing out for Oklahoma, drawing out for, for some stuff, putting in for some stuff in Texas, and drawing out Montana general deer season tags. Well, we're here, and we're utilizing our tag. So thanks for sitting with me, Zach. No problem. Glad to be here. So we came up, um, I want to say, I wouldn't, I don't know if I'd say thousands of miles. Would you? It was more than 1,000. <laughs> it was more than 1,000 miles to get here, and we probably put nearly that on since we got here, looking for public land, looking for deer to go stalk and, and that kind of stuff. But we got here, I don't know, I guess it had been last Thursday. I don't remember the date on that. Or no, last Saturday. We got here Saturday. We left my house on Thursday to get to your house. That's right. And left your house Friday morning. So Zach and his dad are... Texas resident, so they came up Thursday night to my house in Oklahoma, stayed the night, jumped in the truck, we got away. We wanted to get away at 6 o'clock, knowing us how excited we were to get going. We left way earlier than that, and uh, we made our way to Rapid City, South Dakota, got a room for the night, and finished the trip the next day, and um, I don't know, what time we get here Saturday? Uh, about, well, I think we got here about 1.30. Uh, Enough time to unpack, unpack our stuff and go look at some stuff for yeah, sure. Yeah, we got enough time to get a little bit of windshield time in and see if we couldn't locate a couple of deer, which we did. Uh, matter of fact, we located what we assume is some of the deer that we ended up getting on later in the hunt. Yeah, because we went to, we're in northeast Montana and, you know, we're up here doing a public land, whether it's block management or state land hunt. And so we wanted to kind of lay eyes and kind of, you know, relearn the terrain. Wyatt and I came up here last year. Both of us were successful last year as well. And kind of got a feel for what the deer were doing, the rut activity. It showed that the bucks were checking. Every every group of does we seen had bucks with them, whether it was a, you know, a little dinker or... Or a good buck. Yeah, or a good I mean, buck, yeah. So um, we, uh, we kind of, I don't know if we'd call it put them to bed. No, but we... The way the terrain is up here, though, it, it, I think it's pretty safe to say if you find them in a valley, they're going to still be in that that coulee or draw. Well, yeah, because it's nine miles long. <laughs> exactly. I mean, miles long. you can see ten miles in every direction you look. So if you if you put eyes on them and they're and they're in that area at bed, you know, at bedtime, I think they're going to still be in that relatively that relative vicinity. Right. You know, the next day. Well, we knew there were going to be some deer back in there, so. We went back in there Sunday and looked around and, gosh, I don't know how many miles we walked that day. It was over like seven and a half miles, wasn't it? Something like that? Yeah, I believe it was 7.5 miles. It was ridiculous. I know that Sunday evening I was wore out. We found some state land. We walked in there to where we we had seen the the deer in this bottom the night before, and we really wanted to kind of really put some effort and time into that area because there were... I would say four shooter bucks in that valley. Yeah. Wouldn't you say? Four that we spotted. I right. mean, you know, like the country's so big. and Well, them coolies, you go over one little knob and you can see another thousand acres. And then one more knob and you can see a different thousand. Exactly. It's whatever. You, you know? may be on one side of a hill and not can see a hundred yards in front of you. And then you top up what looks like a small hill and you can see for eight miles. Right. So it's it's unreal, the country up here. Well, what's what's weird is... There's not a tree for miles. Unless it was planted on purpose by the state of Montana yeah, or someone that lives here. That's true. There's a lot around the old homesteads and a lot of the bird improvement stuff for, you know, they planted trees for cover, I guess. Windbreaks and and cover habitat for the upland game birds. So, Zach, why don't you walk us through Sunday morning how we got on, on, uh, on a deer Sunday morning. Okay. Well, Sunday morning, we... Like I said, we had we had put the the deer to bed, per se, the night before, uh, and they were on the far 
against west side of the of the draw we were watching uh so we decided that if we could park on the roadway and walk in you know from the east of them and come to them that it would uh be at our advantage so that's basically what we did we took our time getting in there uh and we've seen several deer uh I guess we walked past a couple of small bucks, a couple of does, finally got to where we wanted to be and set up and were glassing. And we located nearly every doe we had seen that morning, I guess. I'm trying to, I, I know whenever we got into the, that one deer that you and your dad and I were all separated. I don't remember how we got that way. Uh, well, you know, actually, to back up, we we started out on the east side of that draw that morning. I forgot about that. Oh, and we yeah. located those deer that we, we wanted, had seen the night before. Yeah, we wanted the sun door and, back and glass And then we drove around after we located them. That's and that's right. when we walked into where we thought they would be. Uh, and then once we were in there, that's when we ended up separated. I'm not sure how we... I don't uh, oh, there was a, a big a shooter. There was a shooter buck on the other side of the property. That's right. We were trying to get a better look at him. We figured out that was private land. We didn't have permission to be on that at the time. And that's how we got separated. Because we right. had crawled over there to get a better look at him, me and my dad. Yeah, had. and I think I stayed back so I wouldn't... You stayed back with the camera. And those deer eventually fed off. The bucks ran the does out of there. Uh, actually, one buck ran another buck out. And then, then he chased the does out behind the behind them that's right and we were actually talking about uh how what we were going to do next because it you know by this point it was 10 o'clock in the morning and me and my dad were trying to figure out you know matter of fact we had just turned around and looked towards the truck which was again three and a half four miles from where <laughs> we were forever. and you could still see it and I turned and said, yeah, the truck's right there, and turned back around to look at you. And I was on my spotting scope You were on your spotting reason. scope looking at, doe, looking at deer down in that draw, I think, that were way out there by the uh, that grain bin out there, I think. Yeah, that's right. And my dad turned to look at the truck after I mentioned where it was, and that's when I heard him say, there he is right there. And he was, I turned around, and there was a, a really nice mule deer probably – 125, 150 yards, had crested a hill right behind us. I don't know what made me turn around. I don't remember if I heard you guys, there he is or whatever. <laughs> but I, I just happened to turn around and I see this freaking, what looked like a giant standing there on this hilltop. And I hate to say it, but the first thought in my head was, where's my rifle? <laughs> Even though I knew Mickey was up on the gun, I still was like, hey, if they're over the hill... Daddy's going to grab a gun and, and hammer this buck, but I had already seen you guys were turned around. Yeah. Mickey had his rifle up, and I was like, oh, cool. Yeah, he was able to get down. Uh, it was a quick shot, too. Get down on his knee and uh, actually use my leg to, to brace off of. And uh, the deer was facing us what seemed like forever, and you could pretty much just see from his throat patch up. Yeah. And, oh, really? That's all y'all could see? Yeah. I could see his, his hooves. Yeah, no, he was... You could see probably halfway up his brisket. Really? His, his throat and up. And I, I didn't know that. He, for whatever, I mean, like, I guess like mule deer do, he, he's not, they're just not as spooky as whitetail. Oh, we found that out too up here. I and, mean, we already knew that, but the whitetail up here, yeah, they don't give way you, more They don't spooky. give you time to even get binoculars on them. No. So anyway, he got set up and uh, the deer, as luck would have it, turned broadside and Gave us one look, last look back, and he was able to squeeze around off and pretty much center masked him. Uh, the deer went over the hill. We couldn't see him, but from your location, I you were closer. Yeah. You were actually closer to the deer than we were. Uh, you were able to get over the hill. and, and Yeah, I had, to run, down, I had to I run past my rifle to where I could see where that deer went off in the draw, and I went ahead and grabbed my rifle in case I knew you had hit him. Yeah. So in case it was, you know, finish him off type of deal. I could do that, and I ran over a hill and couldn't see him. I was like, oh, crap, you know, and I ended up going over the next one and seeing him, just seeing his rack sticking out of the buck brush. Yeah, he'd bedded down probably, what, 150, 200 yards from where he was shot? Yeah. And uh, we set up on him, watched him for a little bit, <clears throat> finally got in position, was able to get a bipod, 
I actually switched the bipod off of yeah, my you rifle. Went back to your rifle. Yeah. Grabbed your bipod. Brought it back to to where my dad was and mm-hmm. put it on his gun. And there and just wasn't enough of the deer there to see to no to finish him off at that time. No, at that time there wasn't. Uh, I guess we waited probably another five minutes, and he finally seemed like forever. Yeah, it seemed like forever, but he finally stood up, and uh, the last round pretty much dropped him right in his tracks. And yeah, that was the end of that one. Yeah, he I mean, he dropped right there where he shot him the second time, and we went down there, and man, was he wide. Yep. Ended up being a really nice three by four with, uh, I guess you would say two eye guards. Uh, one for sure. The other one's is close to being scoreable. I don't. I'm not real familiar with mill deer. I don't know what they consider a, a, a scoreable eye guard if it has to be a full inch. Yeah, of I don't know. But uh, he has what started as one, and then he definitely has one on the other side that'll make an inch. So, well, a little bit of a spoiler alert. We we're sitting here at the coffee at the kitchen table, and we have three racks sitting here there's three of us on this trip <laughs> with three tags but we're sitting here looking at them and I, we wanted to put them here so that way we could take a look at them and talk about them and really you know get an idea of what they what they were but mickey's deer if you don't count the eye guards he's got four points on his right side and three on his left and you think oh he's a four by three no bullshit you need to see this deer like if you go to our facebook page We've got pictures over there. He's got a, what is that, 14-inch G2 on his left side, yeah, his probably. weak side, and his right side is dang near the same. And, and Yeah, and it has the forks on it. On, yeah, it's got a G2. fork on it, and then the deep forks up front <coughs> on both. You know, it's just, it ended up being the widest deer of the trip, for sure. Yeah. And I think, just judging from body size and skull thickness and things like that, it, it looks like the oldest deer to me. Yeah, I think it probably is. I mean, I'm not great at at aged mule deer i honestly i haven't hunted mule deer in almost 20 years since the last time i've even chased mule deer so well on the way up here you guys were talking about you guys hadn't was it you hadn't hunted together or hadn't hunted yeah we haven't hunted mule deer together in in 20 years and i've hunted them one time in texas since then uh in between the 20 years I, i did go on one west texas mule deer hunt uh but those mule deer in the area I was hunting, don't hold a candle body size to these deer. I mean, what do you think that deer weighed? I think, I don't know. I'd say he was two seventy five to three hundred oh, plus, yeah, but live body weight. Easy. He was huge. I know. He that. was probably the biggest body deer of the of the bunch as well. Well, luckily we were able to drive the pickup right up there to him, <laughs> gutted him, and loaded him in the truck. Thankfully, but he was a hoss. But I, I think it was really cool that you guys, you and your dad, got to come up here with me and. I say with me, um, you know, we've, you know, made some friends and connections up here in Northeast Montana and have the ability to, to, to get with them and stay at their bunkhouse and, um, access a little bit of private land that they, of people that they know and stuff like that, which we'll get into on the next year. But, um, it's been a lot of fun and I really appreciate you guys coming and I was glad to come with you. I mean, I'm glad you invited us. Glad we got drawn. Uh, been a great trip. I, you know, we got drawn. We got the mule deer tags and an upland game bird tag, and it couldn't have worked out any better. I mean, we got here early enough on the first day to go scout, killed deer one on day one, mm-hmm. and deer two on day two, <laughs> deer three on day three, I and know. then we bird hunted on day four. Which is today, and there's about 10 inches of snow on the ground, which came in last night, and With, walking through the wind was blowing like crazy, and walking through those drifts mid-thigh in some places i'm glad we didn't have to go out and i'm i say it like it's a chore but anytime we get to go out and go hunting is fun and and when the weather's great it's even better which is what we've had up until today really i thought was you know kind of unseasonably warm but it didn't seem like it deterred i mean it was windy one day and the deer were kind of hunkered down a little bit but we were knowing how to hunt we knew what side of the draws to look into and find bedded animals and yeah, and I definitely learned a lot. I mean, you know, a lot of people, myself included, think mule deer are dumb because they, the country they live in lends to their behavior, though. You know, they, a whitetail's typically not going to stop and look back after you spook it. I mean, no. A lot of time a mule deer will, but they live in wide open country, and they can cover so much of it so fast. But after being up here all week and watching three mule deer does and a buck lay down, 
with the wind at their back and all four of them looking in different directions behind brush and on the They're edge of done. a cliff where you can't see them from any anywhere at all and know they went there and watch them go over a hill and then they disappear. Yeah. And then when you do get to where you can see them, like I said, there'll be a there'll be one you know basically laying back to back watching both directions with the wind in their face. It's crazy. It, it's unreal how how they use the terrain and the what you know and the wind to their benefit. Which if we hadn't got lucky and turned around and saw the deer you ended up shooting just by chance. Yep. We'd have never known those deer were in there. They were a hundred yards from us, and we never knew they were there unless no. we t- we turn around and look. Exactly. I mean, and you know the deer my dad killed. We just happened to turn and look again back yeah, where, to where we had just walked through. I mean, we had walked through the the draw that deer came out of. Where he came from, I don't know. I mean, like I said, you can see for miles in every direction. And he and, pops out of nowhere. And he pops up over a hill 150 yards from us. Yeah. Uh, but we did skip the very first part of that morning. Which part? The two bucks that fought for oh, t- 10, yeah. minutes, 10 minutes on the side of the road. Yeah, first real hunt day that we were there in the morning we on our way to the spot the first piece of public land we got to the first piece of public land we got to there was a bunch of deer in the field it was like well it's shooting light let's take a look at them so we pull up there and we we glass them and they're not 200 yards off the road and one of them's a real nice deer and i could see his body posture and i seen this other small buck and they hook up for a couple of minutes yeah they were probably 350 400 yards apart and they met each other right in the middle of the field like and, right now yep and then fought for a solid oh yeah four or five minutes i think i think i asked both of you guys i'm like hey y'all want to shoot one of these deer and you're like yeah i don't know <laughs> and i got to thinking well they both deferred hmm and then later on that day i was really kind of kicking myself for not shooting that deer but i'm glad i didn't i think i think the one that i got was was a little bit better deer than him which that's not what it's about but it was minute seven of day one and <laughs> yeah exactly you know you hate to get you hate to get trigger happy 15 minutes into the first morning and then have buyer's remorse you know yeah which up here doing what we're doing i don't know that i don't know that that would happen because it's all it's all relative it's all part of the the trip and part of the story of going back to march when we put in and, and getting the tag and then april when we found out and then the planning of the everything and yep it's all part of it I think it's a a good thing to note because of, you know, us having to process these deer and take care of them like we did. This area of Montana is a CWD monitoring zone or monitored zone, something like that. So if you kill a deer in a monitored zone, you can't take any part of that animal outside that zone that consists of brain, spinal cord, or bone marrow, anything like that. So we had to debone all this meat from everything before we could even think about taking it across state lines let alone out of the zone so we were able to uh you know get those deer out here and cut them up and debone everything and packed it up in game bags and froze it and all that so it'd be good and froze for the trip yeah so keep that in mind if you're hunting in montana look at the regs at your cwd monitoring zone and and make sure that you're not yeah exactly you know part of that that's an easy mistake to make yeah it is if you're not careful and you just take the precautions and you know do do your part to make sure that it you know that disease doesn't spread to other parts of the state or other parts of the country which i'm not up to to date on my facts i don't know how many states have it or i don't either i don't know how predominant it is here or anywhere else to be honest with you right um yeah, so after we got your dad's deer out, it was still cold enough. We thought, you know what, we're headed back to the farm. Let's go ahead and check out this other draw where Wyatt actually shot his deer last year. Yeah, we had to go a little bit further around and and knowing what we knew about the wind and where well, they were going to be doing. And that was also where we had that was the backside of the draw where we had seen the bucks fighting in the ag fields that morning that earlier that morning. Right. So yeah, we, I forget. He what was went that a over, mile? Yeah, he went across. They went across that ag field to basically we assumed into the draw where White had shot his deer because that's the only cover. That was yeah. That was that was really the only out of the wind per se because yeah. it was pretty windy that afternoon, wasn't it? Yeah, it was probably fifteen twenty miles an hour that day. No, no, it was actually calm that. It day. It was calm because. 
It was windy the next day. I had an opportunity to take on. a shot at a deer, and I wouldn't have taken that shot had it been windy. Exactly. So I think it was pretty light. Yeah. But we spotted a, a deer bedded down. It was a doe. We thought, surely there's a buck with her. And we looked a little bit around, and there he was. Yeah. Able to crawl. I got to 331 yards. was as close as I could get without getting too worried about them getting spooky and... Yeah. And, and I, I missed. Yep. I sat there for a long time <laughs> watching that deer and had to belly crawl. And I shot over him. And, you know, I was kind of disappointed at first. And I told my wife about it. And she said, no, it's one year deer. It's yep. like, oh, it's supposed to be. <laughs> well, no, evidently it wasn't. Yeah. Well, you know, and if he was the same deer you'd seen that morning, you didn't want to shoot him then. Well, I kind of did. Oh yeah, that's true. You did. You did kind of. You did kind of. I did kind of want to shoot that deer, <laughs> but you know, I mean, it, it worked out. But we did uh, get some cool footage of that buck fighting that morning, and I took a screenshot of the TV. We played it back. I'll show it back to you here in a little bit. But his main beams look long as crap, dude. Good thing. So man, uh, I don't know. Who knows? I mean, you know, it. That's another thing that you kind of have to get accustomed to out here is trying to field judge. You know, I, I consider myself pretty good at field judging whitetails, but I'm looking at them at 20 yards, 30 yards, 50 yards on game camera pictures. Well, you uh, and your dad both have been hunting deer for a long time. You've yeah, seen a lot of deer. But when you're judging deer at 1,600 yards and 2,500 yards and six miles. And their bodies are 300 pounds. <laughs> yeah, their bodies That makes are, their rack look different. Yeah, these deer are literally, some deer up here are three times the body weight of the deer that I'm used to accustomed to hunting. Easily. You know, uh, so their heads are bigger, their ears are wider. It, you know, it, it's, I've got the basics down, you know, if he's ear tip wide, then he's, he's wide. If he's, yeah. you know, if they're as tall as they are wide, then that's a good deer. I mean, you know, there's the basics, but as far as trying to look at a deer at a thousand yards and say, he's, is that what I really want? That's, well, we, that's the spotting scope came into play a lot because we could see a deer and be like well he's a buck i don't know we get the spotter out zoom that sucker into 45 power and really be able to say, oh well he's yeah so yeah and, so. and then you know and some of the deer were so far away that even with the spotting scope you still couldn't tell mm-hmm. a whole lot about them you know you could just go from telling you know sometimes it took the spotting scope to see if it was even a buck right you know i mean at three eight or 3800 yards yeah or whatever you know it was, yeah. it's, it's crazy how far you can see up here but uh yeah they don't measure their land in acres no. measure them in sections exactly exactly i mean you know using the onyx maps it's you click on a parcel to see who owns it or if it's private or public and, you know that's a and good everything point. says ten thousand twelve thousand six thousand forty two thousand yeah. you know we would not have been able to kill for sure my buck without onyx no we pr- we wouldn't have got yours to kill without Onyx because we knew that the land that he was on was private. Yep. Made a phone call, gained access, boom, that fast. In the field, real-time decision, which is, hey, hats off to AT&T for having service <laughs> up here to be able to to read yeah, current I mean, data. From, on- from start to finish, during the process, seemed like an eternity to me of getting my deer killed, but... It legitimately will, probably 15 minutes from the time we saw think, him to the time we made four different stalks on him, got permission, because we thought he was going to come onto the public land. He didn't. He was ended up bedding down 30 yards from the private public fence. Uh, so I guess I might as well start that story at the first. Basically, we went back to where my dad had killed his deer that morning. Yep. Uh, well, because there were but we knew, several other bucks in we there. We knew where those bucks were, so we basically, we went in at a little different angle, went further, we went basically past where my daddy killed his, yeah. so we could see more of that valley. Mm-hmm. And had the wind wrong, basically. Well, we didn't have a choice. We didn't have a choice. It was either have the wind wrong. Or have to walk Or come miles. across a flat valley for four miles with, you know. With all the deer above us. So, you know, we we picked to take the lesser of two evils, in our opinion. We have the wind at our back. Because uh, we were only screwing up one small section yeah. versus 100 deer seeing us Yeah, and it was a 25-mile-an-hour wind, so it wasn't like... It wasn't like it was wide. Yeah. The thermals were coming up, which I don't know how much thermals play into heavy wind like that. I don't know either. But, you know, we did, we did jump a couple of does getting in there, but we got set up. We actually watched a few more. We, got, we snuck past a couple of does, and then... You know, we we got set down. 
We were looking around. Every time we bumped those, like those four that we bumped, I was like, "Oh, either have a big buck with them that stands there and looks at us and tries yeah. to figure it out, or don't have a buck." Yeah, that was my. I was like, "Oh, come on!" Unfortunately, they didn't have a buck. You know, I mean, they Which and they odd. went, they went in the best direction they could go for us because we were basically headed west and they went east. So mm-hmm. it, you know, it worked out, and sort of the same thing that happened with my dad's deer. We. We're sitting there, it's what, probably 30, 45 minutes on the yeah. spot and scope and glasses looking because we had seen deer from across the valley and knew there was some deer in that valley. It was a long ways uh, in there, too. We were resting, really. Yeah, and we hadn't really seen anything to speak of other than the deer we had jumped. and Which the day before we had seen legitimately in that general area probably 40 or 50 deer. Yeah. And Wouldn't if, you say? Yeah, probably. You know, groups of six and eight. And yeah, I mean, when we say general area, we're talking 25,000 acres. But, yeah, yeah in probably. that general area, we've seen probably 30 to 40 deer, I would say. Yeah. Uh, and really, we didn't spook any of the deer that we saw the day my dad. The only deer we really spooked was the deer he shot, honestly. We, you know, we had deer all around us. We didn't spook any of them out of there. They moved off naturally without knowing we yeah, were there. Yeah, pretty much. I agree. Uh, so, anyway, I mean... Truth be told, basically, we were taking pictures of the scenery. Yeah. And uh, for whatever reason, you decided to turn around and glass behind us, kind of where two draws came together. You know what? I, honestly, what happened as I was, like, getting ready to, like, grab my stuff to be like, hey, man, let's head up another direction. And I was turning around to grab my gloves to stand up and be like, man, let's get out of here. And I was like, oh, crap. Yeah. So, basically, Joe Don tells me, hey, there's a big buck behind us as he's hitting the deck, flattening out. And I just laid down on my back. And was able to roll over, grab my binoculars, and look through the what little bit of grass there is. It's only six inches tall, but it seems like it's always in the way. Every time. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how that works out, but it does. Uh, I was able to see him through my binoculars, though, and decided it was a deer I wanted to shoot. The problem was he was... On private. Yeah, probably. At that time, he was probably 150 yards from us, which put him 125 yards into the private land. Were we uh, that close to the fence? Yeah. Oh, really? We were probably 25. I don't know. We might have been a little further. He might have been 150 yards yeah. from us. But, he, was, he was in shooting range the moment we saw him. Oh, yeah. And he had two does and a little four-corner buck with him. Uh, of course, we slid back off the ridge because we were kind of skyline from that particular area Vange. they were in. Uh, slid down the ridge, kind of gathered our senses, decided it was a deer I was going to try to shoot. And when we crawled back over the hill, they were gone. But the only direction they could have went was down. Well, there was that one little, I don't know, valley, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, a little it, finger coming and up And flat of ground on top. So we knew yeah. they were in there. And if they'd have went back uphill, they'd have We'd went have seen a mile. So we would have seen them going that way. Yeah. Uh, so we rolled down into the finger we were in and crawled upwards mm-hmm. towards the fence. Thought, you know, they were headed in that direction. Well, as we were crawling up ends. that way, another doe came over the ridge and went down in there with them and oh, was headed yeah, headed right. uphill. So that confirmed what we thought, that they're coming up this draw and they're probably going to get to the top of this hill and lay down somewhere because it was getting late in the morning by this point. It's starting to get windy. And we, you know, we figured maybe they'll jump the fence. Well, we waited and we waited. 10 or 15 minutes go and by. And nothing happened. They didn't jump the fence. Uh probably not the smartest move i made but i crawled all the way to the fence hoping i could see down in that draw uh and at that point i didn't know it then but i was probably 45 yards from the deer oh yeah and didn't realize i was if he was already bedded where i ended up finding him i was probably 45 yards from him unknowingly yeah uh that just shows how well they can hide yeah 45 yards away stands this deer and yeah exactly and so anyway at that point we decide he's not coming on to public land he's probably bedded down in that draw you texted a a resident that we know up here said hey this is who owns it this is what it says on the map and can we can we cross the do you think that they would like I, i think i told her hey there's a buck bedded on some private land by this person Next to some state land, do you think they would mind? Bubbles pop up. Which took forever. Yeah, it seemed like it took them. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it didn't really, but it seemed like, you know, when you're waiting on the response bubbles to go away, it seemed like an eternity. 
the words no problem came up and I was like, let's go. Boom. We were off. We went back down the valley. Yep. And we were trying to get this deer on film. So, you know, I'm crawling with a bino case and a rifle. You had a camera and a tripod. Or no, you didn't have the tripod. I took it loose, yeah. So you had the camera. We crawl down, get down in the bottom. We're hoping that maybe we can crawl around the edge of that finger and they'll be there where we can see them. And sure enough, there's a little buck. Looking and away. Looking away. Luckily for us, he was looking away. He didn't see us. And he dropped out of sight, which we found out later he had bedded. Uh, I was able to crawl just a few more feet, and I see my buck. But again, the six-inch tall grass is five and a half inches taller than I need it to be. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't get a shot at him. He's and bedded. had you tried to roll around that hill a little more, all you would have done is blown it out. Yeah, I mean, I would have... Well, I'd have, I'd, like I said, I didn't know that little buck had bedded right there. He would have seen me if I'd have went another five feet. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we roll back over the ridge again, crawl up higher, and... Back on the public side. Yeah, crawl up there again. I stayed on that side. You went under the fence. Yeah, and... Had crawled crawled. back to Yeah, we crawled back to the public side, decided again this isn't going to work. That's when you decided I'll just stay here and you try to get him shot. So... Mm-hmm. I was able to go back, find a low spot or a high spot in the fence, barrel roll under it, basically, <laughs> crawl back up to the top, and for whatever reason, the four-corn deer that was bedded sees me and doesn't have one care in the world. That How I'm, far was he from me? That? 60 yards, maybe. And he didn't give? No, he looked right at me and put his head right back down like he was asleep, or he was bedded, and he raised his head up, looked at me. Laid his head right back down on his shoulder like he didn't care. Really? And he couldn't see me well, but he, for what other deer had done, he seen me enough that I thought I was in trouble. Uh, at did that, that point, did that make you go, "Oh, I need to get it done right now"? No, basically at that point, I, you know, I was trying to make it to the crest of the hill, and I had about ten more yards to go to get well, to the crest of the hill. There was that big gray rock, and I knew that buck was behind that rock. Yeah, and you were like up on that rock almost and i was like oh my god he's right there <laughs> yeah well you know and it turned out there was actually a there was a gap you know it was a draw and sure. it was a little bit further across than it looked from what we thought originally and essentially i crawled up to the top of the hill and as i got there again the does had went you basically had a four corn down in the bottom looking i guess south you had the buck was bedded facing east you had a doe on the very top of the hill facing back west and then one facing north and then they had a north wind Mm -hmm. so i see the doe bed down i crawled just enough i could see his horns i knew it was him and at that point it got a bead on where he was i mean i knew where he was i knew what part of the buck brush he was in and at that point i decided you know what i'm just gonna raise up on my knees and try to get the shot before he has a chance to, you know, to see me. Mm-hmm. And that's basically how it went down. I raised up. He he seen me, or the doe actually seen me before he did. Uh, they both stood up. He went three or four jumps. Was he doing st- the mule deer hop? Yeah, he was. I mean, uh, he, you know, he... That's got to make you nervous. Yeah, I mean, he, you know, because it doesn't take... In this terrain, it doesn't take 30 yards, and they might go out of sight. You know, they crest what looks like just a little round spot, and it may drop off 30 feet, and you can't mm-hmm. see it. Luckily for me, he made about three hops and stopped and looked to to confirm what it was he thought spooked him, and I was able to you get were one right. On yeah, I got one right behind his shoulder, and uh, I watched him swell up. You know, I knew I hit him solid. I think you said you heard the bullet hit him. Oh, yeah. Uh, and... I fired another round, didn't need to. About the time I squeezed it off, he was already tumbling out of the out of my scope, you know, my sight picture. So yeah. the second shot was totally unnecessary. But Anchor. You, know, you know, I I wanted to yeah, I wanted to make sure that if I shot one that he didn't run off a thousand yards and thus have to get permission from another landowner or have that much more trouble getting him out. Mm-hmm. You know. And it's funny because when I crested the hill, I was probably forty five yards from the deer. And we had joked about me bringing my longbow up here, and you thought, you know, we basically told you, you told me there I was crazy. There's no way you're going to get bow range 
of a mule deer in this country. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't sure if they would let you bow hunt during the yeah, season. Which... But and I did, after getting here, I thought you were right. There was no reason to bring a bow to this country. And then, as chance would have it, I crawl <laughs> over a hill and get to within forty five yards. So, of the how buck. far was he whenever you raised up and you actually shot him? How far a shot was it? When he stopped and I got the shot off, he was probably eighty yards. I would say by far the closest shot of the trip. Oh yeah, for yeah. sure. But. So, hammered a good one. Yep, he flipped over and we walked up on him, and I was not disappointed. I mean, by by any stretch of the imagination, you know he's a solid four by four, got what I consider great mass. Uh, and from what I can tell, great brow tines for a mule deer. Yeah, probably two inches on one side, two and a half on the other. Deep forks on his G twos. His front forks aren't aren't bad, but he carries mass way. Yeah, he carries the mass all the way to the ends, really. Uh, And again, back to the rut. They've this deer's got a chip in the forks of his G two on his left side. That yeah, that that must have smacked another good deer, you know, to to knock that piece out there like that. So that's pretty much how my hunt went. I mean, at that point, I'm now I'm tagged out, and we drive to within. 400 yards where my dad had shot his deer and load mine up if that yeah so now we're just trying to get you one well we spent the rest of that day gutting and gilling and quartering and deboning two oh, deer yeah. oh yeah yeah because we had to get because the weather was warming up oh yeah because we would have let him hang but and you know tried to do all three had we got three all at one time and we'd get knives out once and but i'm glad we kind of broke it up yeah. Doing three at once would have sucked. It would have. It would have. And with the weather we have now, I'm glad we weren't trying to beat that weather. Yeah. But it was warming up. It was supposed to be in the 50s, I think. And I was like, man, I'm worried about, you know, meat spoilage and all that. So we went ahead and got you. Yep. We got dad's. them processed, got them deboned and in cold storage. And, and we're ready for, uh, for your hunt the next day. Which felt weird. That, I mean, I'm glad you, my ultimate goal is to come up here and have you guys tag out have a good time, tag out, you know, make it feel worth it. You drove from freaking Texas to Montana. <laughs> I wanted to make sure that you guys had a good time, and, oh, you, and you did. You no, know, we had a great time. We had a great you time. You got both your deer, and I'm like, well, we hadn't really set a solid departure date. No. But we said, well, we could leave as late as Saturday morning if needed. Yeah. Which was like, well, I got four days, and I'm the only one left, and that was yeah. weird. Yeah. So after we got our deer processed, we still had a couple hours of daylight left. And that's when we decided to go check out New Country. That's right. Yeah, so, I forgot. We went down, well, we went north of town, up in up, up in the North Country up there, <laughs> and uh, found a piece of public land and that we had heard was pretty good. And there was some deer on it, but nothing to speak of. No, no giants on that. No shooters. And I was like, that, we that looked at Onyx saw. again. And it was like, you know what? There's a pretty good chunk over here. So we go over there and check it out. And there was deer everywhere. And there were deer everywhere. But there was a deer on private. And we were like, oh, oh, daddy. Laid eyes on him with the binos from the road. Do you think that this deer right here is the one we've seen the night before? I don't think you could ever be certain, but I'm pretty sure he was. You know, I, the horn color, the whip, everything about him. I think it was probably the same deer. I mean, it could have been a different one, but I, I think it was probably the deer that we saw that evening. Judging from where we found him the next morning, I think it has to be the same deer because he wasn't, what, six to 700 yards from where we had last left him yeah. in the dark? Yeah, no, he, in the next he was morning. probably within, yeah, he was within five or 600 yards. So probably. we looked at the Onyx, found the, the private land, which had a chunk of, or found the public land, had a chunk of private in the middle of it, which where those deer were. Went up on the public and was able to look off into it from a bluff and found a bunch of deer and then found a good deer. Yep. And we thought, well, we'd love to kill that deer and got to looking at the, the land owner ownership of that piece of ground and thought, well, I don't know. And then we saw a bunch of deer, you know, running the creek and yeah, And all around. this was getting real close to dark at this point. Yeah, well, I'm talking about the next oh, day. Oh, you're talking about the next one. We Whenever back. we went up on top and we okay, yeah. glassed yeah. that valley. And we've seen this deer on private cutting across, zigzagging, 
Didn't know where he was going to end up. And right as we were about to give up on him, we saw him go around this corner and down in a deep, deep valley. Yeah. I don't know if you'd call it a valley or draw. Yeah, well, it was a creek. I mean, there was literally a creek flowing through there, so I guess you could call it a valley. Uh, you know, we seen him. I guess if that was when he crossed from private on to public, we didn't realize it at the time. But, you know, when I found him, I thought it was a deer's horn sticking out behind around Bella Hay. And it was actually him standing between the H braces of a corner post. And it looked like a Bella Hay with horns sticking off the side of it. And it was actually his body in between the two fence posts. Which we've got to looking at on X. And there's an ag field over here. And, well, here's River Bottom. I told Zach, I was like, dude, he's on public. Yeah. And he's bed. He's got it. There's no place to go. He's in. He's bedded in that creek bottom. There's nowhere else yeah. to go. During the process of us moving around and watching him and getting relocated and finding him again, he had basically covered another five or six hundred yards and put himself one more ridge over, and was essentially on public. And we didn't know it for the first fifteen minutes or the last fifteen minutes we watched him. Yeah, we we're like, oh to... man, it'd be nice if we could get on that deer. <laughs> Wait a minute. Yeah. But then we had to walk way back around to the pickup. Yeah, probably two miles. Get in the, the truck, truck, drive up the road, get out to where we could see over into there where he was. Which we say that like it's a bad thing. But, you know, this country is one of the benefits. You're fortunate enough that you may have to walk two or three miles, but you can come back to the truck and relocate because there's section roads Like if everywhere. you were to go hunt deer like this up in the mountains, I mean, you can't do that. Like if he goes over a ridge and... You might as well try again tomorrow type of deal. Yeah. If he goes over a ridge, you're not going to the truck and driving to the other side of the mountain, you right. know, which, you know, some people may think that's not fair, but it's, that's how the terrain plays itself up here and it's all perfectly legal and. It's it, advantageous. It works out. I mean, benefit, I, I think it's the the way to hunt deer up here. Yeah, yes. I don't see I don't see any other way. If you way were to be like, oh, I guess I'm going to hunt this draw this year and go sit on that draw. Like a whitetail hunter, wait for him to walk through there. You'll be there all week and maybe see a deer. Yeah. But this this way we could, and it, and it makes you not, well, and you not can't, picky, but you, you can. You know, not to say we couldn't have walked from where we were across that bottom to that deer, but you'd have never got to that deer walking across 2,000 yards of flat ground between you he and He'd have seen this coming. Yeah. But the way he was bedded in that bowl. We could come in over the top, and they never knew we were there. With the wind in our face. The wind was in our – it was perfect. The only thing we didn't have was the sun. Yep. The sun was kind of a little bit kind of in our face, but it wasn't bad because uh-huh. they were down in a little bowl. And we found we, – we crest. We, I don't know how far was the walk in there, a half mile, three-quarters of a mile off the road to get to where that yeah. valley was. Yeah, well, it wouldn't have been that far, but we had to drive further than we wanted to because that little buck was oh, bad yeah. right by the road. We would have par- – if that deer would – we saw a little buck in the field – had that buck not been bedded down there, I'd have parked about where he was and walked straight over to that, that turn in the creek bottom. Yeah, where we ended up going and in. ended up be right up on top of him. Yeah. We had to go further on and found a low spot, thinking maybe we, well, maybe we won't spook him, or if we do, it'll be, we'll be way past him. We spooked him, and he went right in there where the other deer were. But it played out to our advantage because those two deer were bedded, that buck and that doe were bedded, when that little buck came in his draw, he stood up and postured and walked over, walked over, yards to him. walked him out, escorted him out, if you will, which made him visible to us. And we were like, "Oh, there he is!" But we ended up how far down were we from where we needed to be? A couple hundred yards. We were, yeah, we probably when we first tried to set up on him in the fence. Yeah, we were probably two hundred yards from where we ended up being. So then we backed out into the wheat field, walked down a couple hundred yards, belly crawled up over this deal. And they didn't have a clue we were there. Nope. We found the doe. We're like, where's the buck? Well, after glassing for five or ten minutes, we seen a one. You seen the ear before the antler, but I seen something. I was like, Zach, I saw an antler, I thought. And then I go back to it, and it wasn't there. I was like, it has to be him because it's not there anymore. You know? So it ended up being him. Yeah. My freaking bipod was too tall. Yeah, we knew he didn't leave because we just watched him walk over basically run that little buck off and then walk 200 yards back to her and lay down but when we relocated we had a different angle Mm -hmm. and then you know talking to dad after the shot he could see the buck the whole time and never saw the doe from his angle Mm -hmm. we could see the doe plain as day and i could see about three inches of one ear and about half of his you know g2 on one side Mm -hmm. 
occasionally. Couldn't even see it the whole time. Just every once in a while, he'd turn his head just right, and you could see part of it. So, well, we were able to sneak up to the the edge of this bowl or whatever and look down in there, and just kind of waited him out. Really, yep. I told Zach, you know, I wanted to make sure that that he stood up naturally. Yep. I said, I'll wait here all day if we need to. Just that way, you know, whenever they get up and they're nervous and you never know and you end up rushing a shot or whatever, which I'm glad we moved because it put me way closer. But it was still, I think, well over. T- I never was able to range it because I lost my rangefinder in the field. Luckily, found where it was and went back and got it. Yeah. But I didn't have my rangefinder to range him. I knew he was over 200, but probably under three, I guess. Yeah. So I just, you know, put center mass behind the shoulder and. You know, or that was my plan. Yeah. And for some, well, no, we wanted to scoot up because my bipod was too tall. We were going to inch up to where my bipod would hang over the, the crest of the hill. Yep. And be a little bit lower. In the process, I don't know if the deer heard, the doe heard us or seen me or my yeah, bipod kind of cleaned Yeah, I'm not sure. Time, I don't, but, you know, I don't know. For all I know, there might have been a coyote down there somewhere for Who whatever knows? reason, she for whatever stood reason, up. she stood up. I don't know if she heard. I don't know. I didn't think we were making any noise. I didn't think they could see us from where we were. But you know, for what you know, deer are pretty good at not being dead. So I know. she decided something wasn't right and she stood up. So which made him stand up. Which I was like, oh, it's go time. Yeah. And tried to settle myself as best I could. We had already decided he was a shooter buck, and we decided he was a shooter buck from a long ways yeah. back. Yep. And I knew that I wanted to shoot this deer, and he stood up broadside, offered me a shot, and I took it. So, and he went down like a sack of potatoes. Yep, he never moved. It was a pretty, pretty cool moment, you know, to be able to go on a, such a long, cool stalk like that. And yeah, and it worked. You know, I mean, exactly like we wanted it to, because we knew, okay, he's not, he's bedded in there, he ain't leaving. We can get over there, come over the top, and shoot him from up top. That's yep. exactly what we did. Yeah. And we had, well, <laughs> we got lucky with the buck and the, there was three does bedded down there too. And when they got up, they, they went, went the, other the opposite way. direction, which and, was good for us. Yeah. And at that point we were three and out. It's, I find it weird, not weird, but it's kind of cool that we were able to come up here and, and kill bucks. Boom, boom, boom. Three days in a row. Yeah. And, I mean, like I said, I'm no expert on mule deer, but I think we killed three respectable mule deer. For sure. I mean, you know, I don't have a clue what they score, but... I don't care. I don't care either. And, you know, I'm happy with all of them. I I think anybody that I know that hunts mule deer would have shot any one of these three deer. So, I, you know, I'm tickled. Well, I think it's pretty cool that, you know, you guys, you and your dad come up and hunted together and... That's always fun to, you know, be able to share camp with your dad or your grandpa or your uncle or your brother or anybody like that, you know, because. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, you know, like I said, the, the trip for me was the trip itself. And then killing three deer on top of it, that's just icing on the cake, you know. And then today we got to go chase birds and seen a bunch. Got into them. <laughs> but with the weather conditions, the birds were sitting on top of the snow or or in a tree. Or buried up in it. Yeah, and they were coming up just way out way in front. Out in front you we know? were able to get one bird today, which was a lucky shot. It was a long ways out there, but we got it done. Um, sharp-tailed grouse is what we killed today. Seen some pheasants, seen some grouse. Seen some Hungarian partridge. Seen some partridges. And now we're sitting around the camp telling stories. I know. it. It's been, uh, it's been a heck of a trip. I really hope to to keep coming back to Montana as long as the Montana Fish, Wildlife, and Parks will keep pulling my name out of that bucket. Yeah. I'll keep coming. Yeah, I will probably have my name in there with yours if at all possible. (laughs) Uh, I would like to go ahead and apologize to my wife and your wife for the uh, horrible attempt at a Montana accent that we're probably going to bring home with Uh, us. yeah, you know, I'm, for whatever reason, I don't know if it's my personality or what, but anytime I go to another geographical place that they talk different than I do, I pick it up quick, <laughs> and it yep. does, it stays for like two weeks. I told my wife earlier today or yesterday when I was talking to her, and 
I said something, and she's like, oh, God. <laughs> Here we go. Yep, yep. But it's, it's been fun teasing each other and, you know, trying to participate in the local culture and stuff like that. It's definitely been fun, man. I can't wait till March. Put uh-huh. in again. Well, I think... Uh, well, one thing of note is I, I bought a bottle of special whiskey to bring up here. And it arrived the night before we left of that meat eater. It's bourbon, but it's a meat eater whiskey that they make. And I told Zach, I said, we're not cracking it open until somebody kills a deer. Well, I didn't know I'd get it open the first night. And we toasted every night, luckily, three times. Yep. We got the toast over it and take a little sip. And I'm always going to remember that bottle being Montana 2019. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I mean... You know, there's probably a lot of guys that made the same trip that went home with a bottle with the seal still unbroken. So, mm-hmm. I think it worked out good, man. Yeah. I'm glad I'm glad you invited us. I'm glad we met by fortune. Yeah. And on a draw hunt. Yeah, we were talking about that. Well, you know, yesterday it's or like today. on the last. Oh yeah, when we talked about it on the podcast before, like you mentioned earlier, and you know, on a draw hunt. Fate basically put us in the same pickup on that deal because neither one of us had anybody to hunt with. Mm-hmm. And what, five, six years later, here we are in Montana. Sitting around a, a kitchen table in northeast Montana watching. Covered with mule deer antlers. I know. So. <laughs> I'm pretty tickled. We uh, we did good. I can't wait to come back. I'd say so. I mean, the people can't see it, but you're basically using a rack as a sort of like the arms on an armchair right now. <laughs> and it's over arm, my head. You got your arms rested on both sides of his rack. So yeah. I think we did all right. Yeah, we did good. Well, Mickey, thanks for making the trip, buddy. I appreciate it. <laughs> Mickey's a, he's a quiet guy. He doesn't say a whole lot, but when he does, he means something. <laughs> well, Zach, I appreciate you coming up here and bringing your dad and making the trip and well man i appreciate you we got a lot of good stuff on film got a lot of good pictures yeah. made some good memories it's been a heck of a trip man so if heck you guys want to check out any or all of these racks you can go to our facebook page we got you know we want a little picture happy and we're probably going to keep posting pictures of these deer for yeah there's several pictures we haven't posted yet i know yeah so, the ones we took out. Haven't tonight. had time to get on Facebook, to be honest with you. Yeah. As much as I'd like to. So We'd be out skinning deer or hunting deer or yep. hunting grouse so. and, and pheasant. But the snow's piling up out there. Well, yeah, we got to wrap this up and go grab some dinner. Sounds good to me, man. Down at the supper club or wherever it is we're going. <laughs> where, that, where are we going? I don't know. Some, some Tex-Mex deal. Better than average Tex- Tex-Mex food. That's right. We heard that it is better than average Tex-Mex. And I said, hmm. Well, being from Texas and Oklahoma, we're going to have to find out. Yeah, yeah. Because we know Mexican food, (laughs) for sure. Yep. Well, I appreciate everybody listening, checking out the podcast. Um, And as always, subscribe. Tell your friends. You know, the more subscribers, the more of this stuff we can bring to you guys. And we just have a fun, fun time doing it. And check out our Instagram, our Facebook page, our website, smalltownhuntertv.com. Um, you can get you some swag, some stickers, see what we got going on, follow us on Facebook, find out where we're going, what adventure we're on next. Till next time, take care. <laughs>